the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number two is underway now at... Seven minutes after 10 o'clock. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday, third morning, third month, year of our Lord, 2022. If you missed Congressman Jim Jordan last half hour, check it out on the podcast page. I'm sure that'll be up uh, in minutes uh, at uh, whkradio.com. Just go to the podcast page, look for local podcasts, always right in hour one. You will hear Jim Jordan talked about Ukraine, talked about the State of the Union address, some very important stuff there. And joining us now with some important stuff, but different stuff, is our regular Thursday commentator, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. He is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He does a weekly podcast radio program in his native Oklahoma called The Rebellion. You can get it anywhere podcasts are uh, are available. And he is also a past university president, among other things. Dr. Piper, good morning. Good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, as always. Yes, sir. Uh, it's our pleasure. Dr. Piper, um, let's draw on that last one of your many hats uh, of past university president. Let's talk about college students. You wrote in your column from uh, this past Sunday of uh, a story that I actually talked about a couple of weeks ago when I first saw the survey that one in four, about 25% of college students believe that violence is acceptable to shut down speech that they don't like. Now, we have seen a number of cases where that has been borne out. Ben Shapiro going to Berkeley, and they're smashing windows with bike racks and ter- terrorizing the place in order to try to get the uh, the speech canceled. Uh, they believe it's physically okay to assault individuals who are saying things that they find to be hurtful, objectionable, or offensive. And um, what, about twice or three times as many as that, uh, or close to it, believe that it's okay to scream at the top of your lungs and verbally shout down individuals whose speech you disagree with. And, uh, Dr. Piper, for some reason you have a problem with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know we kind of hinted at this and touched on it in last week's show when I was your guest, but it's it, it, it's such an important survey. I think it's worth talking about again today. And that is how this explains, quite frankly, this explains how our country got in the mess it's in right now. Because when you have 25% of your college students telling you that violence is an acceptable moral good to silence someone like you or me that they disagree with, that should, that should frighten the heck out of everybody that's listening right now. And when 66% of those same college students say that it's okay to throw a temper tantrum and basically put their hands over their ears and go, no, 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 I can't hear you, in a childish, juvenile pout, 
because they don't like Dennis Prager, they don't like Bob Franz, they don't like uh, uh, Dave Rubin, they don't like Milo, they don't like Everett Piper, they don't like Adam Carolla, they don't like anybody, even Bill Maher. They're shouting down Bill Maher now because they disagree with him. This is not good education. This is evidence of indoctrination. This is evidence uh, evidence of re-education camps rather than education. And frankly, it explains almost everything that's wrong with our culture right now. Because when you send your kids off, your progeny off, to get deprogrammed, deconstructed like this at your local schools, and it's not just universities and colleges, it's your local high school and junior high, you shouldn't be surprised when your kids come home acting like something totally contrary to the kid you thought you raised. Education is the problem, and I've said it for 20 years now. Education is the problem. Harvey Weinstein, Matt Lauer, where do you think they came from? They came out of our schools. We shouldn't have been surprised. When you teach lechery, you're going to get lectures. When you teach young men of 14 years of age how to use a condom rather than to be men of character and to be self-controlled, you shouldn't be surprised that they behave in the way that you've taught them. And when you now find that the majority of millennials and Gen Zers believe that socialism is a moral good, even though 100 million people have died in the last century at the hands of communism, Marxism, socialism, you shouldn't be surprised that it's coming out of your schools. Garbage in, garbage out. When you get rid of truth as the objective of the academy and you start teaching propaganda, you're going to get a bunch of power-hungry little brats that don't want to hear anything they disagree with. Let's go back to that part for a second, Dr. Piper. We'll talk about the <clears throat> the physical part, the one in, uh, one in four thinking it's okay to physically assault someone to shut them up if they disagree, and then the screaming part, too. Um, why not teach them to win the debate? Why not teach them to listen to the points being made with which you disagree and come back with better points that, that refute those points or offer the counter and win the debate that way? And in that vein, Dr. Piper, how about a modest proposal? Now, I know it's not going to be possible because we can't even get American public schools to agree to teach civics classes anymore. But how about making a mandatory credit? Just like you have mandatory credits for four units of math, four units of history or social studies, four units of science and so forth, English, uh, and then a whole bunch of elective courses that uh, kids take to get through high school. How about a mandatory credit? Not four of them, just one of speech and debate. Everyone has to learn how to debate. And then maybe just that, maybe uh, the, the willingness to throw hands uh, will be <laughs> uh, will be tempered a little bit and people will throw ideas instead. Well, it's, it's, it's what education used to be. We used to have rhetoric. We used to have debate. We used to teach Socratic logic. We used to teach our kids what a fallacy was and how to communicate accurately, how to recognize when somebody is being fallacious and distracting by constructing straw men, non sequiturs, ad populums. We used to understand all this. But frankly, probably a lot of people even listening to us right now, because they're a product of the public school system and state universities, don't understand what I just said. And that isn't because they're stupid. It's because education sucks, (laughs) quite frankly. That doesn't sound very academic of a college president to say that, but it's true. So back to your question, why not teach logic and debate? Why not teach people how to engage in a conversation, a good argument? Well, in order to do that, you have to have a presupposition of truth. 
that truth will judge the debate. And if Bob and Everett disagree, there's a referee on the sideline blowing the whistle and saying who's in the boundaries of the game and who's outside the boundaries. In other words, you have to have a referee. You have to have a lady justice that's blind, if you will, to assess justice. You can't do it if it's all politically driven. If you ignore Ben Shapiro's admonitions that the facts don't care about your opinions, and if you start granting degrees on the basis of opinions rather than your acquisition of facts, then you can't debate any longer. It all digresses and devolves to power plays, politics, and pouting. And that's the definition of what the ivory tower has become. Well, Dr. Piper, well, let's go from the type of combat that college students seem to think is okay now, rather than using rhetoric and using uh, their debate skills. Let's go to conflict on a much, much bigger scale. As the communist Russians, under the dictatorship of strongman Vladimir Putin, invade Ukraine, putting the entire world on notice um, that this could get very, very involved with other nations. In fact, he has already threatened Finland and Sweden, who have been at least in conversation with themselves about possibly joining NATO, saying you could be next. Uh, he also threatened the United States by saying anybody that intervenes on in what I'm doing from the outside, you're going to face consequences that you have never, never before faced in your history. I hope you hear me. I'm paraphrasing that, but that's what he said. As all of that goes on, our military is preparing. How? Well... According to the Free Beacon, they're training their officers on how to handle gender identity properly. Mandatory military training, pushing soldiers to undergo gender reassignment surgery, and how other or how officers should treat those members of their platoons and uh, under their command. Uh, Dr. Piper, I said it a, a few months ago, actually, when I first started learning of these kinds of things in our military. I pray to God our State Department is phenomenally adept at solving international crises diplomatically, because if we've got to go to war with this military philosophy, we're done. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and Bob, you and I sound negative when we're saying that. We, and we're, you're not saying this, and I'm not saying it that we lack confidence in our soldiers or that we lack confidence in American patriotism or that we don't believe in America and that it should be strong in the history of our ability to win a battle. I'm not saying that. You're not saying it. What I am saying and what I think you're saying, in fact, I'm sure you're saying, is that the current priorities of the Democrats and the social justice warriors, where they're more interested in diversity than defense, when they're more interested in counseling a dysphoric man on how to change his gender than they are in preparing soldiers to win a battle. When these things become your priorities, your highest good, do you not think that China is watching? Do you not think that Vladimir Putin has been watching this and knows that our leadership is clueless, our leadership is spineless, and they're more interested in helping men feel good about wearing a dress than preparing soldiers in a uniform to use a gun and defend us. And if we can't even defend our own border, if we don't believe our border uh, between Mexico and, and Texas is defensible and worthy thereof, then why in the world would we ever go defend Taiwan 
or the Ukraine. Thank you. Our enemies have been watching us, and they know exactly what our priorities are. Thank you for saying Taiwan, because you mentioned Putin. I was going to say, don't forget Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party, uh, because they are absolutely watching the same thing. They are watching our military and what their priorities are, which, of course, are broadcast everywhere. Um, and, and my goodness, if, if I was ever thinking about what is the time to take down the American uh, empire, if you will, the time is now. Um, and, and, you know, here's the other thing, Dr. Piper. I, I didn't serve in the military, and, and so I can't speak to this from, uh, you know, from a, a, a position of experience uh, and, and, and that type of perspective, but I do know how the military has operated. Generally speaking, there's a reason why the minute you get into basic training, they shave your head. And there's a reason why when you are on runs, you run in lockstep with everyone else. There is a reason why everybody does everything the same. And the reason for that is you must have uniformity in order for platoons, in order for battalions, in order for uh, your, your military personnel to be successful. They have to all be the same on the same page. And what they are doing now is literally casting aside all all semblance of that throughout military history, not just in American military history. Look at the look at the Roman legions for crying out. Look at virtually every military uniformity is the, is is an essential part of training. And we're saying no, you don't have to all be the same. Let's let's be diverse. Let's celebrate diversity and individualism rather than uniformity in which everyone operates the same way at all times. Because then you know what to expect from the person watching your back as you watch theirs. It just flies in the face of all sense and common sense and, and, and again, historical uh, practices of military training. Oh, there's no question. And here's another thing that's so true, and it ties into what you just said. Weakness always invites aggression, always, whether it's in athletics, whether it's in personal life, whether it's in military life, whether it's in our country's standards, policies, and priorities. Weakness always invites aggression. Look at Chamberlain versus Churchill in World War II. Capitulation, peace in our time, yeah, that was a lie. That was an Orwellian spin. Everybody knew it, and Hitler was watching, and we suffered the consequences thereof. You have to have strength. Uh, I start out my radio show with, the, with the, uh, the speech of Winston Churchill. We shall fight on the beaches, we shall fight in the streets, we shall fight in the air, and we shall never surrender until God in his good graces steps forth to the rescue of the new world and the old. That is strength, and Churchill was God's man for uh, for that time, and he, Churchill, I would argue, saved Western civilization because of his strength, not his weakness. And we are led by weaklings right now, and we're, we are inviting aggression. You know, toxic masculinity ain't so toxic when you're fighting a war. You might want a few good men. Very, very well said. That's, you know what? I'll leave it there. I can't I can't do any better than that. We'll leave it there. We'll take our time out here. We've got one more topic to discuss, and it's about religious liberty and about how it is being completely quashed and devastated by uh, power-hungry, tyrannical leaders like Justin Trudeau and perhaps like Joe Biden. I'll let Dr. Piper explain his thoughts on that next, AM 1420, The Answer. When you need real news, write meow. All right, meow. And over your license and registration. Turn to Always Right. Hurry up, meow. With Bob France. No buts, meow. On AM 1420. All right, meow, where were we? The answer.
Okay, 1025. I've got five good minutes left with Dr. Everett Piper. And Dr. Piper, I want to talk a little bit about a Family Research Council article slash post, and you made me aware of this, in which um, the issue of religious liberty, which is in serious, serious jeopardy, particularly up in Canada, we saw a massive fight uh, for liberty uh, on behalf of uh, the people of Canada. It was the Freedom Convoy. We all know that it lasted about a month before. The heavy-handedness of a tyrant, Justin Trudeau, broke the entire thing apart. But they're not stopping there. They continue to punish people um, who don't accede to the demands, not the wishes, the demands of, uh, of the government, uh, including when it comes to religion. And uh, Pastor Arthur Pawlowski, uh, I have interviewed on a couple of occasions. Um, he was here in the United States, as you know, on a tour trying to spread the message. Uh, he went back knowing full well when he goes back to Canada that he is going to be arrested, and he has been arrested. He has been serving weeks in prison while awaiting a trial. And I'm just going to let you take it from there. All this man has done is preached. That's all he's done. He has preached about freedom. He's preached about the gospel. He refused to shut down his church when the government told him that he should and that he had to. And he dared, most recently, he dared to go to one of the border crossings between the United States and Canada, Mm -hmm. preach in an open-air service, and then pray for the truckers. He was arrested and thrown in prison. At one point, I don't know if it's still true, he was in solitary confinement while in prison, awaiting trial, which meant 23 hours a day, solitary, and only one hour a day that wasn't. That's what this man is suffering right now for doing nothing. He didn't steal from anybody. He didn't hurt anybody. He didn't physically accost anybody. He did nothing other than preach the Word of God and pray with people and refuse to bow the knee to the government as God when they pretended to be God and tell him what he should or should not do with his church. And you well, know that, that, that was Bob? his biggest crime. That was his biggest crime is sticking Absolutely. his finger in the eye of Justin Trudeau because he was already under arrest and facing charges for preaching in his services in his church during the quote unquote lockdown period. Uh, and they came to arrest him and he kicked the police out. We all have heard the, uh, the, uh, the sound clips of him telling them to get out. Um, and and then uh, you know so he was already facing those charges, and while he's awaiting the the uh, disposition of those cases, he's out there praying for the truckers. So it, it's not the prayer, it's the defiance. It's sticking the finger in the eye of a tyrant and daring him to do something. And doggone if he isn't doing it, Trudeau. That is absolutely. And you know what? If thousands of other pastors would step forward and support this man by doing the same thing, if the church. By and large, and I say church with a capital C, regardless of the denomination, if the Church of Christ with a capital C would step forward and grow a spine, grow a spine, and defend its brother in Christ, then this would be a different story. The lesson of this story, the lesson of this particular news uh, item, Bob, is this. We better stand together, or to quote, Benjamin Franklin, if we don't hang together, we're going to hang separately. We're letting this guy hang separately. As Basically, there are some pastors supporting him, but not enough. The Church needs to stand together, be unified as a body of Christ, and support its own rather than let them flail about alone in the face of these draconian uh, Orwellian uh, actions that are taking place in Canada, and Joe Biden is supporting it. Don't think that this can't happen here. In fact, Rand Paul has warned us. We have a similar law on the books in the United States that would empower the President of the United States to take emergency action if he deems it warranted and if Congress 
would approve of it. Don't think it can't happen here. We're one election away from it happening. Yeah, and as radical as he has been and his uh, advisors slash puppeteers have been, there's there's little doubt whatsoever that he would take such steps. Dr. Pepper, I've only got one minute left, but since you brought up Biden, you have any reaction or uh, um, uh, to what you to what you heard on Tuesday night during the State of the Union, or did you not watch it? Uh, well, I read about it afterwards. I couldn't stomach watching it, but uh, but bottom line is this, and I know I've got forty five seconds now. I feel like we're in an Orwell novel, nineteen eighty four. Uh, we are all Winston. We are all Winston Smiths. We've got to decide what we're going to do about this. Are we going to buy the lie that two plus two equals five, or are we going to fight against it? We need to recognize that it is our obligation to fight against these lies. The Ministry of Truth is peddling propaganda. They're not telling you the truth about global warming. They're not telling you the truth about uh, gender and sex. They're not telling you the truth about education, the economy. Everything is upside down. Good is evil. Evil is good. The definitions have been reversed. It's Orwell. We're all Winston. We have to decide what we're going to do about it. And if we are all Winston, we have to figure out who plays the role of O'Brien. I cannot say Biden because O'Brien, while evil, and Biden, while evil, O'Brien was smart. (laughs) And that's where the the difference comes in. Uh, Dr. Everett Piper, terrific analysis as always. Thank you so much. We appreciate you, and we'll talk to you again next week. Blessings. Take care. 10.30 now. We're going to get our news. And on the other side of the news... Mike Gibbons, Senate candidate and leader in certain polls. He has really, really surged in recent weeks to the top of that very, very crowded race. He's going to come on to to answer some criticisms that have been made by a rival campaign and by, um, well, some prominent Ohio clergy on behalf of that rival campaign. Mike Gibbons will answer those questions next, AM 1420, The Answer. Now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I want to get to politics now. I told you this story a little bit at the beginning of the show, but if you just tuned in, politics can be a very, very bloody game, as you know. Uh, when races get uh, tight, uh, well, ge- generally speaking, those who are in the lead have targets on their back more so than ever before. I think Mike uh, Gibbons is finding that out. I want to read to you just a very brief portion of a letter that has been put out by uh, 20 local lead clergymen, as it's described in an email put out by my friends at the Ohio Value Voters Organization. I really uh, am a strong supporter of Ohio Value Voters. John Stover and Diane Stover, really great people, really strong values that I support as well. Now, they have endorsed in this race Josh Mandel. I am not issuing an endorsement in this race, uh, but they have endorsed Josh Mandel, and they have forwarded this week a letter again written by the pastors challenging the conservative pro-life principles of now the new leader in the polls, Mike Gibbons. Mike has overtaken Josh Mandel in uh, certain polls. And I want to read this before we bring Mike in to respond. According to Bucyrus pastor J.C. Church, quote, 
Mike Gibbons appears to be an unproven candidate with a track record of pro-choice statements who echoes the liberal mentality, or excuse me, the liberal media's views on the 2020 election. What is more concerning is Gibbons has already put $11 million in an attempt to buy a U.S. Senate seat and is seeing his poll numbers increase. Ohio Republican primary voters should be aware of his record and question whether he truly knows where he stands on the serious on issues important to conservatives in the Buckeye State. The pastors point out as a first-time candidate in 2017, Mike Gibbons indicated he was pro-choice. When asked his position on abortion as a Senate candidate in 2017, they write, Gibbons first stated on social issues that he is pro-people, which uh, who is not dogmatic. Given a chance to clarify his remarks the next day, Gibbons solidified his personal position, claiming he, he personally is opposed to abortion, but he is not a woman and would not choose for them. So this went out on uh, Tuesday, and uh, yesterday I had several people forward it to me and asked me, Bob, what does this mean? Uh, I'm a Gibbons supporter, but now I don't know. I asked Mike Gibbons yesterday for comment, and he was willing to give me a comment live and on the air. So now we bring uh, Senate candidate uh, Mike Gibbons to uh, AM 1420, The Answer, once again. Mike, it's good to have you back. How are you, sir? Thanks for having me, Bob. Uh, Yeah. uh, uh, (laughs) As I mentioned to you yesterday (laughs) off the air, yeah, hold on one second, Mike. Let me just get a quick question. And as I mentioned yesterday off the air, this is newsworthy because of two reasons. Number one, this particular email that was sent out by Ohio Values voters on behalf of the clergy was followed by another email yesterday announcing 114 Ohio clergy members endorsing Josh Mandel. So this is kind of, it looks like a a coordinated effort between the Mandel campaign and the Ohio Value Voters Organization that has endorsed him, taking a shot at you now as the front runner in this race. So uh, as I asked you yesterday, um, as I mentioned yesterday, rather, there are there are voters who have said, Bob, I don't know what to think now. And so I would just like you to clarify the 2017 yeah, remarks sure. that were referenced here and clarify to all Ohio voters who may be hearing this, Mike Gibbons, what is your official stand when it comes to issues of pro-life and pro-choice? Sure. Um, I'm 100% pro-life, Bob. I always have been my whole life. I've been that way. I've expressed uh uh, that is my position my entire adult life. In fact, even before I was an adult, um, because I was pro-life before they call it pro-life. Um, I have I have one problem uh, running for office, and, and uh, although I think that's why I'm leading in the polls, and it's not some polls, uh, by the way. Every single public poll that has now come out uh, has reflected uh, that we've taken the lead, and, and frankly, the lead is growing. But um, and, and I think it's for just the kind of reasons we're going to talk about right now. People are tired of of you know political underhanded uh, moves by career politicians that uh, uh, that they have to find something in, to attack you on, and so if they don't have anything, they make it up. Now I I had an interview uh, in 2017, and uh, and and I have kind of a, a first of all I'm 100 percent pro life without exception. And my dogmatism comes from, or whether I'm dogmatic or not, reflects the fact that uh, I was told that's dogmatic, and I said it's not dogmatic. I'm not dogmatic. That's uh, that's my, mor- uh, my 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 opinion based on my morals. And and uh, and all of a sudden I'm not dogmatic now. I, I, I and I don't consider myself dogmatic. I make ju- judgments based on what's right and what's wrong. The uh, 
uh, I was involved in an interview where I was talking about mothers. And, uh, and it was literally the first interview I ever gave after I announced my candidacy in 2017. And, and, uh, and, and, and this is, this stems from my personal life, uh, my personal experience. Um, my mother was adopted. I didn't know about it until I was 12 years old. And, uh, and I found out about, uh, I found out about it when my grandmother got older and had dementia and mentioned when, and she just said the words, uh, when we adopted your mom. And, and I, it came as a shock to me. I went home and, and, uh, confronted my mom with it. And, and she said, well, Mike, I didn't want you to know. And I said, well, why not? And she said, uh, well, I didn't want you to think differently about your grandparents. And, I guess I was uh, knowledgeable enough at that that age to say, why would I ever think differently? I, you know, I love my grandparents. They were they were incredibly important in my life. We lived we lived on West Seventy Seventh on the top of a double, and they lived next door. And and I was with them every day. They were incredibly supportive of me as a as a kid, loving grandparents beyond belief. And, and I never could have changed my opinion. I didn't care about anything, but I was. Uh, at least knowledgeable enough at that point to say, Mom, they didn't have to adopt you. And my mother was a super Catholic. Uh, she, she's, you know, uh, very much involved in, in uh, you know, in, in, in every aspect of the, of the Catholic religion, and she somehow associated her being adopted with sinfulness. And she was very embarrassed of it, and if she was alive today, I probably would never even say something like this because she would not very, be very happy with me, but my mother was a great person and a, a very moral and supportive, supportive of me and the family. She's, she's a prototype, perfect mom. And, uh, but she and I had a good bit of disagreement over this and over, over talking to my mom and arguing with her about these issues, I discovered that one of the great causes of abortion in America is the situation that young girls are put in where where they're they're young and married and and become pregnant and they're then stigmatized they're told you must have the baby but by the way you're a bad girl and and i you know tried to be empathetic i guess or i was empathetic and i thought well i wouldn't want to have to tell my parents that i was pregnant when i was 15 years old and 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 kind of put myself in their position i realized that we need to help these girls. We need to change hearts and minds. So I'm very much supportive of the overturning of Roe v. Wade and Casey, and and uh, and and I think it's you know going to save lives. Even if it saves one life, I'd be in support of that. But but it's just the beginning. We need, and and, and I think a lot of this is now is now happening. I think a lot of people feel the way I feel. But if we're ever going to reduce abortion in America. To the levels we'd like to reduce it to zero, but uh, if we could reduce it substantially by paying attention to these young girls in this situation, supporting them, helping them tell their parents, helping them, helping their parents realize that they don't want to encourage uh, through stigmatization or, 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 or you know some negative feeling toward their toward their daughter in a way that would encourage abortion. And and what these young girls face has to be addressed 
and and we have to support these young girls. And consequently, I've always been very supportive of uh, of pregnancy centers and pregnancy counseling. And and I've focused most of my contributions over my life in that direction. I've given the pro life causes and and uh, and have supported pro life uh, organizations, but. I've really had a, paid special attention to, you know, pregnancy centers, and that's where, you know, the, the pro-people thing came from. Um, you know, I literally, when, when I was I talked to the reporter, she said, well, you sound like you're more interested in the mothers than the than the babies. And I, and I said, well, last I heard, those are, those are the people making the decision, and we need to, we need to change their hearts and minds. Um but you can distort so, anything somebody says. Yeah, and, you you uh, really can. Mike, let me jump in because I want to get a few follow-ups in here to to what you're saying. Uh, first of all, yes. going, back, going back to the issue of dogma, what your clarification is then when uh, this whole question about uh, dogma and being dogmatic came up by the reporter and by this uh, in this uh, letter by clergy who have endorsed Josh Mandel, who I had on yesterday, by the way, um, what you're saying is, is that your pro-life beliefs are your own, not because you're forced to believe that because of your church. Absolutely. It's not Absolutely. It's not religious dogma that forces you to be pro-life because, hey, if I'm a Catholic, I have to be that way. You're saying it comes from inside of yourself, not from the church. Yes. Yes, and as I discover, I've got five kids, Bob, and, and as I talk to, to many mothers, they all went to Catholic uh, grade school and high school. Uh, you know, the girls went to Magnificat. The boys went to St. Ignatius. They went to St. Angela's uh, is, is uh, in, in grade school, mm-hmm. but what I found is there are plenty and, and an alarming number of Catholic moms that are pro-choice. Oh yeah, and well, we have yeah, a Catholic. I mean, we have a Catholic president who's pro-choice. Well, you got we, have, it. we have a Catholic I mean, uh, speaker of the House who's pro-choice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, literally, yeah. these are Catholics. They brag about it. They would get their ashes yesterday. Uh, they go to communion. Uh, they're scolded yeah. in some cases by bishops who say you should not be receiving communion while you're publicly advocating for for the uh, the murder of babies. They don't phrase it that way, the bishops. But but yeah, no, you're right. Uh, being a Catholic does not necessarily mean you are pro life. Uh, and so what well, you're I, saying I is the dogma of the I, church. I, I, go ahead. I would differ. I would differ with you on that. I don't think they're Catholics if they're pro. Pro-choice. Okay. I, I really don't. Okay, no, I, 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 yeah, I, I, mean, I we agree. I think we're phrasing it differently, but yeah, I mean, what I mean yeah. is, when I say being a Catholic doesn't mean you're pro-life, is what I mean is that, yes, there are right. people who call themselves Catholics who are not pro-life. Um, and so right. your, your clarification, I think, is important there. And then the second part I want to clarify about with what you just said, uh, Mike Gibbons, um, is with respect to the mothers and the babies. Basically, right. if I, and, and you tell me if I'm oversimplifying here, but I think I understand you is that we can't be telling girls, young girls in particular, but women in general, um, you can't have an abortion because it's illegal. You can't have it because right. it's wrong. You can't be have it. Uh, you can't have it just because no, we just say so. The legality so. of it, it is wrong. Right, but <laughs> right, but the legality of it. That's what I mean. It's wrong on the law. Right. Um, you're, you're basically saying we don't want you to want to have an abortion. We want to counsel and talk about the exactly. the glory and the miracle that's inside of you right now, and and to make you want to have that baby by choice, not by force. Which is, I think, right. I think what you're, what you're, what you're saying that there's perhaps been mischaracterized, I think, in this letter. Well, is you know, if you're a politician, you're supposed to say certain set words that you can't vary from. And you know, I'm not a politician, and uh, unfortunately, I talk too much, I guess. 
and uh, and and when you talk too much, you you open yourself for uh, criticism because you can misconstrue anything anybody says. But I've been I've been consistent throughout my life with this club. I was president of the Fathers Club at Magnificat. Uh, my daughter's uh, one daughter was in Right to Life. The other one was running around a soccer field and didn't do anything but that, but uh, in basketball. But uh, but you know when when my one daughter was choosing what extracurricular she was going to be involved in, I was I was uh, guiding her toward uh, you know the Right to Life, and uh, and I you know transported her to various activities. The Fathers Club had some tangential uh, association with with all this because we all supported right um, you know pro-life activities and and I mean I, I I've never changed and I was always the the one because I can't keep my mouth shut I guess when there were conversations would begin at you know at parent parties and whatnot I was the one always defending a life position and uh, and, and and I can tell you there are a lot of of uh, mothers that I met that uh, that know very well what my position is because I wasn't uh, I wasn't at all shy about expressing it. And, right. but, it's important. You know, and, I think it's and, important to note here too, yeah. Mike. I, I got to jump in because if I don't get, if I don't cut you off here, I'm not going to get the other questions in. Uh, but but re- right. I think it's important to know you certainly weren't thinking about running for office when you were making all of those statements no, as your children grew not. up. Uh, this was what you felt, and and that's important. I just want to hit one other thing, Mike. Uh, we're talking to Mike Gibbons, Senate candidate who is now leading. I said in some of the polls, I haven't seen them all. You clarified and said that virtually every poll that is out there now, you are leading in, and perhaps that's yeah. why you're being targeted with this this kind of. Uh, uh, you know, attack. Um, the clergy also point out, and I'm quoting from their letter, that Mike Gibbons says he does not like Donald Trump and believes Joe Biden won the 2020 election. In 2021, Gibbons... <laughs> let me finish. Let me finish before you respond. In 2021, Gibbons stated he has not seen evidence of widespread fraud in the 2020 election. This year, he admitted that he would have voted to certify the 2020 election if he had been in the U.S. Senate at that time. Um, I never said that. You want to clarify that? Absolutely. Well, first of all, this election is uh, was there's there's incredible numbers of questions here. Um, All I've said is I want to see evidence that we can take to court, and I haven't seen that yet. I I'm expecting to see some, by the way, this week out of out of Wisconsin. But what I've always said is five million more people voted than were registered to vote, and I got that off the. The Census Bureau. Uh, you go to the United States Census Bureau, you'll find, you'll find the number of registered voters in the United States, and you will find that 5 million more people voted than were registered to vote. I want an explanation. Um, so do I. There are anomalies out there. You know, every single non-voting statistical anomaly uh, or, or voting statistical indicator there's like 41 of them that are they're usually outlined. 40 of them indicated Donald Trump would win this election. There's too much out there that we should be, just accept the fact that this election wasn't stolen. What I've always said is, and if I get to the United States Senate, I, I, I assure you this, I promise this, we are going to get evidence that we can take to court. And and but but talk, you know I've, I've listened to Dr. Frank. He's he's a great guy. He's a great statistical guy. But statistics won't hold up in court. And that's all I've ever said. 
What about um, what about you know, what about are... the line, Mike? Just super quick. I've got thirty seconds left. I don't even have that, but hit it anyway. Okay. They claim that you said you don't like Donald Trump. Oh my! That is, I was his co-chair in two thousand six. State co-chair in two thousand sixteen. I gave him the largest personal donations I've ever given to a candidate. I was with him last week. Um, you know, this this is uh, it's it's pure unadulterated baloney. And Josh Mandel, I will tell you. Because I went to a fundraiser to support him. I never thought I was going to run for office until five years ago. Uh, five years ago, I didn't know I was going to run for office. I made the decision after that. I, I'm tired of career politicians like Josh Mandel, who has never had a day in the private sector in his life. And in you, in, in, you know, I've been, I've now been exposed to why people don't run for office. I support Donald Trump. I support the America First agenda. I always have, never varied. Uh, in fact, uh, Donald Trump, uh, we've heard people say uh, that, that were with him that said Mike Gibbons is the only one that never said anything bad about me. So, you know, well, Josh Mike- Mandel may be trying to build his his uh, uh, rep with, with Donald Trump, but Donald Trump knows Josh Mandel was, was a Marco Rubio guy. <laughs> Mike, the uh, orchestra is playing us off the stage here, so we're going to have to depart on that. But I, I appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I had Josh on yesterday. We always have good conversations. I know he's got a lot of strong support from a lot of conservatives. I know you do as well. I would hope that Republicans don't slink into the mud for this kind of thing. But if it's going to be levied by one I campaign, not. I would like it to be responded to by the other. So that's what I wanted to do in this case. So, well, thank, Mike, thank you for doing that, Bob. Yeah, that's that's and what by I, the want. Way, I want. There are everybody plenty to... of pastors on my side here, Bob, uh, and there are, you're about to hear their their comments all right well we'll look forward to that mike gibbons thank you so much for the time uh, all right we're, we're, mike you. real quick i always let the candidates end with their website uh, gibbonsforohio.com that's Thanks, what Bob. thank you thank you mike <laughs> all right yesterday we got josh's today we got mike's and tomorrow we'll have jd vance's we'll take a quick time out and wrap it up after this going to do it for this edition uh went a little bit long there with mike but i thought there was important information to get out there it's a very frustrating primary race uh i think for a lot of us uh and i said at the very beginning there's some really strong contenders in this republican primary and that's why i said i'm not going to issue a public endorsement on this uh i like a lot of things about josh mandel i like a lot of things about uh, mike gibbons i like a lot of things about bernie moreno who's no longer in the race there are some good people in this race there's no question about it um i hate that it devolves into mudslinging politics i don't like it and uh, quite frankly, I think uh, the letter from the clergy there is uh, leaves a lot to be desired in terms of honesty and integrity. Uh, we'll talk more about this tomorrow. J.D. Vance will join us then. Thanks to everybody for being here today. Let's go, Brandon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.